Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Nick Anderson Fitness Podcast. I'm excited because I am with my good friend, Raylan. And if you are a longtime listener of this podcast, Raylan was one of my very first guests. So I'm super excited to have you back. Raylan, how are you? Hey, Nick. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Just, uh, you know, like I mentioned before, uh, just on my lunch break and excited to check in and talk to you um, about, you know, what's been going on lately. Yeah, literally me asking you how you are after just talking to you for 15 minutes and you thinking that we were recording. So <laughs> it's all I'm good. only slightly embarrassed. <laughs> it's all good, man. <laughs> um, so last time we talked, uh, it was it was April of 2021. So it's been about a year and a half since we talked. And mm-hmm. uh, we, we talked about you transferring into maintenance at the time. How much recollection do you have of this conversation? Because I don't have that much, to be honest with yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> no. So I think I had just come out of surgery. Um, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So I, um, I'd had, for, for anybody just kind of to back up, I had a hysterectomy. Um, uh, I had struggled for many years with um, endometriosis. And then um, what's called, what was new to me was actually adenomyosis, which um, was affecting my uterus and uh, had been causing me pain for many, many, many years. And so anyways, didn't have a full hysterectomy, um, but uh, my life is a lot better without that pain. uh, I struggle with chronic pain on a regular basis as it is. So having that in addition <laughs> to chronic pain was, uh, at, you know, at the very least, just <laughs> exhausting, just exhausting. So yeah, when you have chronic pain plus other pain, <laughs> fuck that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So at that time I was, um, recovering from surgery and I was, um, in maintenance mainly to make sure I was fueled well for healing well. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I don't think I went back into like a deficit until probably the beginning of 2022. So I kind of hung around maintenance for a while, got back into the gym, you know, slowly worked up my strength, um, just to test my core and everything after surgery. And, um, and then I, you know, I've been with, you know, Jordan Syatt's, um, inner circle for a long time. That's how Nick, you and I know each other. Um, and so I had, uh, started with, um, one of his specialized programs called squat supremacy. And then I moved into, um, I think I took a break for a month and went to like one of his monthly editions. And then I transferred to, uh, deadlift domination, um, through the holidays And then I went back into a deficit and transitioned back to, I think, the monthly editions again, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which uh, and then from there, um, I actually wasn't seeing much progress with the deficit. And until recently, I didn't realize what might have been going on at that time. Um, I have... I recently got some blood work done for my thyroid and I've been taking a medication for, I don't know, well over a year 
And apparently I'd been taking it wrong. And so my body was not absorbing it correctly. And so it was basically like I had not been taking it at all. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, apparently you're supposed to take it on an empty stomach at least, you know, 30 minutes or so before a meal um, okay. or or some in the time frame of like two hours after you've eaten something. And so um, <laughs> so it could be that I was I didn't have normal thyroid levels. And so that's why I was struggling so much with being in a deficit. Um, <laughs> That. Sorry, did you actually, you were No, uh, you can keep going. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, I had kind of given up on the deficit and kind of went back into maintenance. Um, and in all honesty, I probably went a little bit into a, a surplus. Um, uh, cause I had over the course of like a year or so gained back about 15 pounds. Um, but I imagine, you know, some of that's water weight and whatever, not necessarily fat, but um, plus, you know, getting stronger, I probably gained a little bit of muscle. So, you know, it's not, I wasn't like feeling awful about the weight gain, but at the same time, you know, I was like, I need to get, I need to get back in back on track again and, um, try work on losing some fat. So it's been about a month since I have started a new routine with my medication. Um, I have to be a lot more thoughtful about it, like sort of wake up first thing, take the medication so that I'm not like waiting and starving to eat breakfast. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, and, and I've been in a deficit since like the, the end of July, but specifically the beginning of, you know, August 1st, um, where, and then for August also, which, you know, this is part of the reason that we decided to do a podcast is that I went alcohol free for, for the month of August. Right. So yes, definitely. I, and I wanted to transition into that as well. So tell me about that. Tell me, first of all, why you decided to make that decision and how it went. So, um, I really wasn't drinking that much as it was, but I just made that conscious choice because it would, it just makes a deficit easier. Absolutely. Um, especially after I haven't been in a deficit for a while. So it's just making the decision to just cut it out. Um, and then sort of to see if, if it was something I wanted to cut out forever or not. Um, and, and mainly to challenge, just challenge myself to make sure that I could do it. Cause you know, there's, I don't know, there's like some sayings out there, like if you can't, stop drinking alcohol for a month, you know, you have a problem or whatever. <laughs> um, and yes and no, like with, for me, you know, I wasn't drinking that much anyway, except for like on fun holidays or vacations or whatever, but I kind of wanted to stop the excuse of drinking at holiday things and whatever. I wanted to challenge myself to not be drinking during those, during those things. And there were a couple things over the course of August where there was like this, you know, backyard 80s party that I went to that sure is heck was hard to not drink because there were these fun like watermelon rinds with jello you know there was sort of watermelon shaped jello shots attached to the watermelon rind <laughs> those were extremely interesting tempting. yeah that is very tempting 
<laughs> but you know, I, I kept my promise. I was like, I, I want to feel proud at the end of this month and nope, it's not going to be worth it to succumb to that. So, um, and the crazy thing was throughout that whole month, it was probably like a couple weeks in, I started having this insanely strong craving specifically for like a yummy, chewy red wine. Um, I love red wine. And, um, but it was just bizarre to me that it was that specific craving. Yeah. And so for me, it wasn't like, I kind of just sort of reflected, um, at the end of the month that I didn't really just want to drink anything, you know, and, and I'm never really that kind of person anyway, but like, say you go out for drinks with some, some friends, like the purpose is to go have a drink with them maybe you're not like quite feeling anything, but you just choose something because that's what you're out for. Right. 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 You know? So it's like, okay, I'll have a mediocre $20 cocktail. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That wasn't worth it. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of an interesting reflection for me that like, let's say I go out for a special event, like I go out to a show or something. And just because they're serving alcohol, unless I'm specifically wanting something, it'll be easy. I think it'll just be easier to, to not drink if I don't particularly want something. Um, yeah. Specific. Does that make sense? I don't absolutely. know. No, absolutely. It makes sense. Um, and I kind of talked about this on my episode about when, when I stopped drinking alcohol, like when we went to the rage against the machine concert in New York and it's like, yeah, they're serving alcohol here, but like, I don't, first of all, I don't want to spend $25 on a beer. That doesn't make any sense. Like that's not, first of all, that's not my first choice anyways. Um, like if I, if I want to drink, like I want to drink something that I'm going to thoroughly enjoy instead of like lukewarm Bud Light. I don't want that. And I don't yeah. want to spend $25 on it. I don't have to, like, if I'm at this event, I don't have to drink just because they're serving alcohol. And I think sometimes we think that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So that was just something that, that really, sat strongly with me um um I don't think I mean just reflecting on the whole thing I I don't think I'll ever be completely alcohol free but it's still not something that I need or want on a day-to-day basis in my life um but you know on my wedding day hell yeah I'm gonna have champagne absolutely (laughs) and I I think it's it's interesting doing some kind of challenge like this because it forces you to be a little more mindful about when and why you have alcohol. And the purpose of doing a challenge like this isn't necessarily to be like, okay, I'm going to do it for 30 days so I can see if I can do it forever. If that's the choice that you make, great. If that's not the choice that you make, great. That's Either way, it's totally fine. But it forces you to evaluate like why am I spending $25 on a beer at a concert? That's just stupid. Whereas if there's an event that you really want to have a drink at, say your own wedding, which I think is a perfectly great 
event for you to have champagne at or whatever the hell you want if you want to get lit that night it's your it's your special day like go ahead and get lit (laughs) but it it kind of forces you to to have that long-term thought about it and even with me doing it um my wife is not doing it with me but she's been kind of like seeing me do it and evaluating her own decisions as well so sometimes she'll go out and be like oh like Nick's not having a drink. I don't have to. I can if I want to. And sometimes she will make that choice. Whereas before, every time she was been like, yeah, we're out to dinner. Let me get a margarita. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say also, you know, I just thinking of our, you know, partners and spouses and stuff, you know, I, I communicate, I think the important thing at the beginning was communicating to my fiance that, that I was doing this challenge for myself so that he wouldn't continue to ask me if I wanted a drink or, um, ask me if he wanted to get and get me anything from the liquor store, um, or anything like that, because there potentially would be that temptation to take him up on on the offer or, Mm um, and, you know, seeing him drink in the past and not drinking with him used to kind of bother me. But during this particular challenge, it didn't bother me at all, really, because um, that's that's part of his life. You know, he he does drink. He drinks beer nightly. You know, that is that's his thing, um, especially when he's working in the garage on, he does stained glass work. And so, or if he's working on his, his car, um, that's what he likes to do. He likes to drink beer and work in the garage. <laughs> so, um, and uh, anyway, so that was, that was really helpful for him to not like, it was, it was helpful to communicate that to him essentially. Yeah, really, definitely, you know? definitely. Um, and to support me in that decision rather than, you know, I don't know, maybe in some circumstances, partners might make you feel bad for not joining in or whatever. And that, that was not the case with us. So that's um, good. Which I'm thankful for. <laughs> yeah. And if you hadn't made that communication to him directly, like he never would have known that and would have continued and you'd be like, no, no, no. And then eventually, maybe eventually you would have said yes, or eventually you'd be like, all right, stop asking me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> And I, I communicate to him too, when I'm in a fat loss phase, um, partly so he knows, don't, you know, I don't really want you to dish me up. I want to be able to control the portion that I'm having or whatever, you know? So there's, there's things like that. Um, so, but that's come with practice and time too, of him seeing me through those different phases at different times as well. So, um, there was something else that I was reflecting on and I meant to write it down. So that <laughs> I, I want to touch on that, like communication aspect a little bit more though, oh, yeah. for like being in a fat loss phase, like communicating with your partner, like where you are in your, whatever goals it is that you're trying to achieve. And I think sometimes we have a little bit of a hard time communicating that kind of stuff to our partners because it's, they could they can be uncomfortable conversations or maybe they won't you're afraid that they won't be understanding um but you know that's something that's always been great about mine and danielle's relationship is like me being able to communicate hey i need a fuck ton of protein at dinner (laughs) and 
Um, it's still a little hard for Daniel to grasp exactly how much protein I need. That's been an ongoing battle, but, <laughs> but like, it's so important to have those conversations. If you have someone in your life that's around you every day, they need to, they need to know where you're at and what you're doing so that they can help support you to make the best decisions possible. Cause if you don't have those conversations, it's going to become a lot harder. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, it, what's, what's a little different about his and my relationship maybe is a lot of our meals are separate anyway, just because I have a wheat allergy. Mm. Right. And, um, and so on a, in a lot of situations, he's making his own food so that he can continue you know, having the bread or pasta or whatever that he likes, um, without having to sacrifice, you know, that piece in his life. There's other times that he's perfectly happy to eat the meals that I make that don't include those things, or we use like a gluten-free pasta or something like that. But, um, so in, in that regard, you know, I, I, I've seen that, you know, in posts, say even in the inner circle group or whatever where people are frustrated because they feel like they have to make separate meals for their family and for themselves to make sure that they stay on track for their fat loss phase or whatever and so in that way I'm a little grateful that we already kind of keep things separate (laughs) yeah that's very helpful I think something else that can help in those situations where you have you know a spouse who may not be doing a fat loss phase just adjust portion sizes. Like you could still have the same meals, but you just have a little less of mm-hmm. the potatoes on the plate and just, just like save a hundred calories that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think people need to be making completely separate meals during a fat loss phase, unless it's a case like yours where you have a very specific food allergy or something like that. Then obviously that's a bit different of a situation, but I think, uh, d- people overcomplicate fat loss, right? Like it's, I have to eat specific meals and just eat what you're both having. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not like you have to all of a sudden eat boiled chicken and broccoli. All the time. No, yeah. Tilapia and rice cakes. No. Like... <laughs> oh, oh, tilapia. It's like the worst fish. Uh, just speaking of fish, I just I bought this beautiful fillet of a black cod the other day, and I can't wait to cook it. <laughs> <laughs> Raylan's gonna show her cod to, to the camera right now. <laughs> no, she, she's not. That's weird. <laughs> no, it's in the freezer. <laughs> um, so tell me more about like when you were doing this alcohol challenge. Did you? Was there any like social awkwardness around not drinking at? at the events where you had this watermelon rind type of thing, for example. Um, that particular event, I, I think a lot of people were already so drunk that they didn't notice who was and wasn't drinking. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to think. I haven't been super social lately, so it's kind of... I, I've been mostly able to avoid... <laughs> the conversation i had a similar experience during my uh my however long it's been so it's yeah it's it's hard to um talk about that when you don't have actual experiences with it 
but um i was recently at a wedding where uh you know everyone's drinking and yeah. i tried to i don't think i've talked about this in the podcast yet i don't think i don't know um but i was i didn't plan on drinking at the wedding and i don't think very many people noticed only like one of my friends who listens to my podcast was like hey i heard you were doing this thing how's it going um but other than that i don't think anyone actually noticed because i had like a diet coke the whole time so people are probably like oh it's a rum and coke yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know the the funny thing so neil and i have gone my fiance neil and i have gone uh, out to eat a couple times and you know there's instances where we are either eating at a bar or say we're at a Mexican restaurant where pretty much anybody, you know, orders drinks there, right? Margaritas or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, so at the bar, I I thought it might be a little awkward that I wasn't drinking alcohol. But all, what I did was I just ordered uh, like a club soda with lime. Mm. And they were like, oh, okay, you know, and just you know, gave it to me. I was like, oh, good. You know, I was anxious over nothing, you know. <laughs> How dare you sit at my bar and not order alcohol? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and whereas Neil had like three pints of beer, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he more than made up for it. No. Um, but it does feel o- awkward, like sitting at a bar and not drinking. Yes. I don't uh, know yeah. what it is about that. Even like going to a restaurant with table service, like I feel like the wait staff expects you to order alcohol so you can like drive up the bill and they can get a bigger tip. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if there's any truth to that. I've never been a wait staff before. So if anyone listening to the podcast can uh, go ahead and confirm or deny that for me, that would be great. That'd make me feel a lot better when I go out to a restaurant and don't order a drink. So well, I've been a server and I will say like, I really never gave a shit what people ordered, you know, um, the there are times where like I feel a little awkward when they charge me like five dollars for a club soda when you know there's certain places that just give it to you as like a comp because they consider you like the designated driver or something like that so it's like how some places decide to charge for that stuff I don't know but in you know in general like as a server myself like I I typically wouldn't charge for those things it's just part of the order um and and i just wouldn't care i was just like i have a job to get done and i really don't give a shit (laughs) that's really good insight thank you (laughs) (laughs) um but i don't know about other people there could be others that are like uh you know no you know big tips here you know but um i will So we were also at, so I mentioned the Mexican restaurant. So we were actually getting, you know, table service and I ordered a club soda with lime there as well. And, and she didn't seem to care, but as soon as she brought it, I tasted it and I'm pretty sure it was tonic water. And that's a big difference. I don't think it was Sprite, but you know, cause it wasn't like quite as sweet as that, but I was like, oh do I make a fuss over this damn it I'm in a deficit I don't want the extra calories from a soda basically you know yeah (laughs) so then like I did ask her to correct it and she did and and that was one where they actually charged me (laughs) oh that sucks (laughs) I was like well now I really don't care that I made her change it (laughs) 
that's like a big difference in taste too between club soda and tonic water like it is i feel like just like straight tonic water and lime sounds terrible it's not awful it's like a watered down sprite to me in a way but it's just definitely wasn't what i was expecting (laughs) um did you did you face any challenges during this of like really being tempted aside from the watermelon party i know it was like an 80s party i'm calling it the watermelon party yeah no (laughs) it's fine um i mean when i had those strong cravings for red wine you know so because i went through this whole narrative in my head that's like well if i'm craving oreos or something i will just go ahead and make sure to work those into my calories Mm. but i was like no this is about alcohol this is about not succumbing to this temptation for a month to show that I'm proud of myself for not doing this, you know, and some people had commented because I, I had started kind of talking about it in my, my posts, my accountability posts in um, the inner circle. And some people were like, well, there is non-alcoholic wine. So if you just want to get the flavor and, and whatnot, um, you can satisfy it that way. But part of me was also like, well, part of the reason I'm avoiding alcohol is for the calories. So by just replacing it with a non-alcoholic version, I'm still getting those calories. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really um, doesn't really achieve the goal of avoiding the calories from alcohol. I mean, it does achieve the goal of avoiding alcohol, which is right. what it's about is resisting that temptation. But it's still like that sub layer of like, I'm doing this because I want to limit i want to get my calories from food not (laughs) yes from things that give you actual energy and not take it away (laughs) yeah yes so um so that was kind of the main that was the main thing um but then it just kind of got easier and easier to just you know move past it um drink a glass of water or have a dessert instead of a glass of wine um and and in that in in that case I felt more full anyway by having the dessert or even if it was like a healthy dessert you know like Greek yogurt and fruit or something (laughs) sure but that's gonna make you feel a hell of a lot fuller than a glass of wine (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) um I was going to ask something and then it's lost. It slipped my mind as usual. So that's cool. No worries. Um, I'm trying to think if there was anything else. Um, yeah, I think just that, that biggest reflection really was about that. I'm not going to drink just to drink. Um, and that, that felt like the biggest, like, discovery of the whole thing I guess um and then so I actually it went I went a little more than a month of not drinking um it was like September 5th or something when I finally bought some wine and and had some uh and what was funny was I I opened this wine and it didn't taste great when I first opened it. It needed to breathe. And so I'd like poured myself a glass and let the left the bottle open for a bit. And I drank maybe half the glass before I passed out. 
Oh, geez. <laughs> I, was, I mean, it was towards bedtime, you know, so it's like here I'd waited all this time to have this red wine. <laughs> and I didn't oh even make through half the glass before I just went to bed. <laughs> <laughs> how did it feel like from, uh, I don't know, an intoxication standpoint? Like how did that half a glass of wine feel after not having alcohol for 30 plus days? It did not hit me at all um it so the next day I had a friend over to talk about wedding plans and stuff and we went ahead and shared the rest of that bottle and it tasted much better the next day (laughs) (laughs) Um, that's good (laughs) by sharing that bottle then it did it did hit me a little bit a little bit more but I also hadn't had dinner yet so (laughs) gotcha (laughs) (laughs) that does make a huge difference yeah so um yeah i really didn't notice that much of a difference from previous experiences drinking so interesting um i want to ask you too uh, this is totally unrelated to the topic but um how have things been going managing your chronic pain um so so i'm on a medication that I take daily. Um, and that kind of helps for the most part to kind of like make, make it feel like my bones aren't grinding together. Mm. (laughs) And that's really just a description. That's not really what my body is doing. My bones aren't, you know, it's not like I don't have, um, good joints, um, and whatnot. It's just the, the feeling of, of the pain. Um, when I'm not on a medication. So, uh, there are times that I can start, I can start to feel I'm burning out, um, before the pain hits really hard, if that makes sense. Um, it's, it's a little difficult to describe, but like part of that happened this week. So I, I pushed it a little bit too hard, um, through last weekend, um, I normally, so with my little side business doing my gluten-free baked goods, I, I do these farmer's markets and usually I just do them once a week. Um, you know, in addition to working my full-time job, doing school, you know, trying to stay on top of working out, I'm also baking and then hauling equipment around for these markets. And normally plenty of free time plenty of free time. And so, um, but this past weekend, instead of having one market, I did two back to back and I don't really, I didn't feel fully recovered and, and I still don't feel fully recovered from the weekend. Um, but I feel mostly recovered as of today Mm. it took. And, and it was sort of like a, a low level underlying pain, but it was like, draining all my energy and I've been going to sleep pretty early all this week because of it so and I'm crazy and I'm repeating this this weekend (laughs) (laughs) so you've learned nothing (laughs) I have learned but at the same time it's it's kind of a unique situation transitioning to these winter markets fall winter markets and this will be the last weekend where I'm doing them back to back um so it'll be a little bit easier on my body to only have them one day a week again 
Right. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, the, when I, when I do have these markets back to back, I have to be super conscious of how much strength training I'm doing as well, because the markets themselves are almost a form of strength training. Um, the setup before and the breakdown afterwards, um, in addition to adding in, you know, one or two days of strength training in the week, it's like, I shouldn't do three. I need to be, you know, so I sort of have to plan ahead mentally to be like, okay, it's, it's not going to work to have three to four strength training sessions either leading up to the market or after the market. And then, you know, once I'm back down to once one market a week, I can get back to two to three strength training sessions a week. Right. So planning ahead for that is, is kind of crucial for managing the chronic pain. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're doing a very good job at listening to what your body's telling you, like slow down. And when you have these markets, um, you know, back off on the strength training, because like you said, doing one of these is like a strength training workout in and of itself. So if you're doing three days plus two market days, now you've done five strength training workouts in a week with chronic pain. And that is going to make everything flare up so much worse, which you obviously don't want because you want to be able to go and do the things in your life that you need to do, like fitting, fitting fitness around your life. So like, obviously doing these markets is more important than getting a workout in. So sometimes like that workout is really important, but like, if you can go and sell a shit ton of gluten-free baked goods, like that's way better than getting an hour's worth in the gym. Right. It can be. Yeah. Especially, I mean, like we talked about a couple of times, I have a wedding to pay for. So that's, that's one of the other motivators to, to have these back-to-back markets and just kind of get a bump in, in uh savings <laughs> that's fair <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do right <laughs> weddings are expensive <laughs> they are, they are. <laughs> um but yeah so it's i've learned a lot about listening to my body over the last couple of years especially with incorporating strength training more and more into my life and and figuring out that figuring out that balance mm. Yeah, I think that takes a lot to figure out what that balance is because it's not always easy to find out. You have to do a lot of like guess and check with it, right? Mm-hmm. Like trial and error. Like for example, <laughs> during that time that we worked together, finding out that you holding dumbbells at your sides for two to three different exercises in a session pulls on your shoulders and your shoulders don't feel good after that. So learning those little things about your body and being like, okay, this is, this is what I can do. This is how I can modify it. That goes so far. It does. And, you know, I've actually been curious if that has helped you at all to reframe any, um, I just, I don't know if you have any other clients with chronic pain, like, but does it help to make you more aware of like what is happening with their bodies if they're in pain or, I wouldn't say that I have clients with chronic pain in particular, but you know, I have clients that have specific injuries. One of them just had um, something wrong with his knee that he had to get surgery for. So like figuring out ways that we can still get him to work and 
not fuck up his knee and like now yeah. that he's starting to recover like slowly easing back in some like very light leg work um I'm always learning new stuff just from experience. It's it's not the kind of thing that, you know, they teach like what to do when your client has a very specific knee surgery. They don't teach that shit. You no. have to like kind of figure it out. Um, <laughs> so it's always, it's always a learning process. And that's kind of the fun part about my job is I'm constantly learning new things and I'm a big. That's awesome. I, I think learning is fun. Learning is super fun. That's yeah, no, that's great. Cause I'm sure something that might help one client could maybe help another one later down the road, just based on your experience, you know, prior experience with somebody or, you know. Somebody. Yeah, absolutely. You learn things about people and you can apply those things to other situations or similar situations. And that's, that's basically how we learn to get better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> Um, anything else that we want to hit on today? I feel like we covered so much. We covered chronic pain. We covered alcohol. We covered maintenance, surgery. It's a big podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love it. Yeah, no, me too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I knew we were going to talk about alcohol. So it's, 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 it's nice that we were able to cover some other topics. <laughs> <laughs> you know me, I'm all over the place. I can't keep my head on straight. So, <laughs> um, you know, okay. Totally random, Love but it. you know, on that, on that regard. Okay. So in, in Austin, oh, I can't stop thinking about that taco truck that was by our Airbnb. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it was very good, the taco truck. That was amazing. Um, I wish I could just, I don't know, get that. It's funny because I, I loved the taco. So for those who have no clue what we're talking about, <laughs> um, Raylan, myself, and, and our mutual friend Amy stayed in the same Airbnb uh, for the Inner Circle Retreat. And about, I don't know, 500 feet from our airbnb was a taco truck so every morning for the four days that we were there three to four days that we were there um we got tacos for breakfast which was awesome by the last day i was like oh my god i do not want tacos for breakfast <laughs> yeah i had to have a break from from tacos after austin <laughs> <laughs> Like they were good, but like I was like, it's just all right, it's, it's the only option within walking distance. And, uh, <laughs> unless, you wanted, like, a gas station, <laughs> unless you wanted like a gas station breakfast sandwich or something. <laughs> <laughs> Which almost would have been better at that point. <laughs> is, is that uh, what you wanted to talk about? You just wanted to talk about the taco truck because I love it. <laughs> I totally did. I did. I wanted to talk about the taco truck. It was amazing. <laughs> Well, and I knew that it was going to be there before we, um, before we stayed down there, but I was like, ah, it's probably going to be crap. And it was like some of the most amazing tacos I ever had. Cause I think part of it was because they hand make the tortillas. <laughs> yeah. That's the best tacos are the ones that come out of some like dingy ass truck. <laughs> that's literally like the best food comes out of some friggin' hole in the wall. There's a place I'm going to, I'm going to give it a little shout out to, uh, 
the Southbridge, Massachusetts area, a burrito hut. If you are ever in Southbridge, Massachusetts, burrito hut makes the best burritos I've ever had. Um, burrito hut is going to make about $12 out of that shout out. That's amazing. Um, totally again, super random, but in, when I was in Dublin, I found a place with burritos. Really? And it was, it was absolutely amazing. And they had these ginormous corn tortillas to make burritos. I've never seen corn tortillas so big. And I was excited because with being gluten-free, I can't have the flour tortillas right. uh, for burritos. So that, that was amazing. Um, but yeah, of all places, Dublin had burritos. That's hilarious. Corn tortillas <laughs> are superior to flour tortillas for tacos in every single way, though. But it's not usual for burritos to be corn tortillas. That's a fair point. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, burritos. I can't remember now. <laughs> oh, oh, so I had gotten sick of eating, you know, potatoes and beef and whatever going through Scotland and Ireland that I finally was just like, it, that's probably part of the reason why the burrito tasted so damn good because I was just so done with potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> that is very fair. Um, I would be sick of that too. Like how like how sick I was of tacos by the Yeah, the yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, this has been a pleasure as always. I love having these chats. Raylan, you're fucking awesome. Um, you too, Nick. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on and talking to me. And um, thank you to everyone listening as well. I appreciate you. Yeah, have a great day. You too.